I'm going to come down here with you guys today. We're small in number, and so we're talking about small beginnings. I'm going to come down here and be with you guys. <clears throat> so, a new year begins in, uh, in roughly 12 hours or so. And while I was studying and researching for this sermon, I came across uh, this article on why New Year's resolutions normally fail by February. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to read it to you just as I found it. Okay? So it says, only 8%, I'm quoting, only 8% of people actually keep their New Year's resolutions, according to one commonly cited statistic. There are many reasons people can't stick to their resolutions, from setting too many of them to getting derailed by small failures. Setting overly ambitious and restrictive goals, like quitting sugar, when you haven't already been making small changes to improve your diet, is one major cause of failure. While you might initially feel inspired and energized by setting blowout goals, the luster of these resolutions fades quickly when we realize how difficult they are to keep. It goes on to say, small, incremental lifestyle changes may feel less sexy, but they have a much greater chance of creating real change. Small, incremental lifestyle changes. I even heard one man say, you know, if you're wanting to get fit, but you haven't done anything to be fit, he says, just start a small habit. Now, what we want to do, because we like bold things, don't we? And man, the new year's a perfect time, isn't it? Oh, we're going to do it, aren't we? This year is going to be different. 2018 is going to be different. But we set these lofty goals. And it's like, man, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to run five miles and do 100 push-ups. <laughs> and you might, but then the next day you won't. <laughs> and so small, incremental things. And this guy, he said, how about this? Can you do this goal? He goes, get up in the morning and do one push-up. And I first went, one push-up. That'll do no good. Except it'll be more than the 354 push-ups that I didn't do last year. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not about the push-up, it's about the habit. So once you get in the habit, add a couple more. Add five, then do 20. And you're adding as you go along. But we start out with this much and then realize we can't do it. And then we get discouraged and then we quit. And so he was, he was saying, hey, just start with a push-up. One push-up. You can do that. I think if you had the flu, you could do one push-up. So here's my point. Our scripture today reads, Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now that's cryptic. It's filled with all kinds of uh, things that we need the kind of the backstory on. Uh, so let me fill you in on who Zerubbabel is. Uh, he was the head of the tribe of Judah during Israel's return from the Babylonian ex exile. Um, he was the prime builder of the second temple, which was later reconstructed by King Herod for a third time. Uh, he led the first group of captives back from or back to Jerusalem. Uh, and, and they begin rebuilding the temple on the old site. And then after rebuilding the temple foundation, the first two years back from exile, construction came to a standstill. 
So they came back from exile. They started rebuilding the temple, and they got the foundation done in the first two years back. And then it came to a standstill for 17 years because of, and among other things, opposition from settlers in Samaria. And the Samaritans disrupted the building project. You can read about that in Ezra 4. But Zerubbabel resumes work on the temple in the second year of the reign of Darius uh, of Persia. And you can read about that in Haggai chapter 1. Now after the construction began again, the temple was finished and dedicated in four years. It's pretty fast. Around 515 B.C. That's about 70 years after the destruction of Solomon's temple. And after the Jewish uh, deportation. And some of the elders and some of the very old people who could remember Solomon's temple regarded this new temple as pretty shabby compared to the splendor of the original temple. But listen to what the prophet Haggai says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. He says, Who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. Now, this has nothing to do with where I'm going today. But I just want to give you just a little nugget that you might think is as cool as I do. When Moses retires... Who's he hand over leadership to? Joshua. In this, the second temple, he's encouraging Zerubbabel and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, to be strong, all you peoples of the land. So we have a Joshua that gets Moses' leadership. We have a Joshua, second temple. Jesus comes along, but his Hebrew name is Joshua. There's a type and shadow that just continues and continues and continues throughout the Bible. And that's just, that's just a tidbit, but that's sort of, we may not cover that story, but that's when we're talking about connecting the dots in our new sermon series that's coming up. That's what we're talking about, connecting some of these dots that we just read a name and we don't put anything together. But the Bible's going, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. This is going to repeat itself. Pay attention. So it says, be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I have covenanted, covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Now, why did God have to tell them to be strong I am with you. This is what I've covenanted with you. My spirit remains among you and do not fear. Why? Why Why does he have to tell them, hey, don't be afraid. Relax. I'm still with you. This is all good. You're going to be okay. This is all right. Why? Because the children of Israel and we as grafted in branches are a lot alike. We have an idea of what success is looks like based on our past on present trends 
or on future prognostication. So we think we know what God has in mind. We think we know what it used to look like this, Solomon's temple in all its glory. And man, when they build this other one, oh, yeah, not so much. We remember the old temple. Remember the old temple? How many of you in this room, I don't know how many, I, I never saw it, but how many of you remember the old sanctuary down there? Now, I, I have seen pictures, and I think it's pretty cool. To me, it looks like a small Polk Street. I mean, it had the bow. I mean, it's cool. Nothing wrong with this room. But when I look at that one, I'm like, oh, wow, that was cool. That's cool. We have this idea of what things should look like. We have this box that we want to put God in and say, hey, this is what you've always done in the past. I'm sure this is your plan in the future, right? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it won't quite look that way. Now back up and listen to David's words to his son Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28.20. This is concerning the very first temple. So we've been talking about the second. Now we're backing up and talking about the first one. And David said to Solomon, his son, he says, be strong and courageous and do the work. So ADHD moment. He says, being strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous and do the work. So being strong and courageous also includes doing the work. So I regress. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. So we have, again, the Lord, when we back up, giving instruction and encouragement to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28.20. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. God's with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Then we move forward to Zerubbabel. Second temple in Haggai 2, 3 through 5, he says, Be strong, I'm with you. This is what I coveted with you. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And then in our text today, out of Zechariah 4, also to Zerubbabel, encouraging, Do not despise the day of small things or small beginnings. I, re- I reiterate that all of us have our own ideas concerning God's promises because we gauge success and we gauge achievement through the lens of our past, through the lens of present trends, or through the lens of future prognostication. This is what it looked like. This is what's happening right now, baby. This is what it needs to look like. If you want to be a part of the, ooh, you got to be doing this. Or future prognostication. Things that we have no idea what they're going to look like in the future. We're just, we think this is maybe what it looks like. But listen to what 1 Corinthians 3 has to say. Starting in verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together, all of you together. That's why we emphasize grow groups. That's why we emphasize Sunday school. That's why we emphasize Getting together with a group of people and doing life. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy. 
And you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. Now, that doesn't mean wisdom's worthless. It means wisdom not connected with God's worldview can work against God's will in your life. Wisdom connected with the worldview, a biblical worldview, God's hand, is awesome. God's promise to David in Hebrew Scriptures concerning the completion of his temple continues to apply to us in 2018. So I wanted you to see this picture. Um, this is uh, York Minster. It's the Cathedral of, of York in England, and it's one of the largest of its kind in northern Europe. I know it's not a, a great-looking picture, but I wanted to pan back so that you could actually get a, a good view of what that looks like. Um, it took 252 years to complete that cathedral. Now, construction began in 1220, and it ended in 1472. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, America hasn't even, we, we have nothing that's like, because we like new things. There, there's nothing in our, in America that's 500, 1,000 years old buildings. The Great East Window, which is the size of a tennis court, is the single largest expanse of medieval stained glass in the country of England. Now, again, I know you can't even get the, the, the depth of that, but the, the picture... The picture on your left is, is the inside, and of course on the, on the right, that would be what it would look like from the outside. Um, it was created between 1405 and 1408. took three years to build a window. And it shows the start and the end of all things. In other words, it starts at Genesis and goes to Revelation in stained glass. Wow. That's pretty cool. So why am I telling you about this great cathedral? Because I want you to think of the long now rather than a yearly goal or something that you alone can complete in your lifetime. I don't think we think like that much. A lot of times Americans with us, it's like, what can I do in my lifetime? How can I leave my legacy? What can I do for me to be remembered? What if we thought like people that built great cathedrals. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about with your life. What if you started something in your life? Maybe with your children? You did something, you began something that you knew would not be create, uh, completed in your lifetime. But most of us don't think that. Because it's like, I want to start something. I want to be the next 
Bill Gates, I want to be the next Steve Jobs. I want to be credited with it in this lifetime. I want to be remembered in this lifetime for having done something great. But what if you built a cathedral, so to speak, that took 252 years to complete? Is it still worth starting? There's, I don't know who made the quote. Probably Abraham Lincoln because he's quoted with everything on the internet. But, but here's the thing. But, here, but it is a quote. And it, it, they asked some great leader, if you knew you were going, if the world was going to end tomorrow, what would you do today? And he said, plant a tree. That makes no sense to me. Except it's just thinking past this life. And so I want us to think of the long now, something beyond the, the 10 pounds that I need to lose. Something greater than increasing my yearly revenue. What are you doing right now? What are you beginning right now? Because in, depending on what translation you read, the, the scripture today says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Beginnings. Starts. FUMC will be 129 years old in 2018. It was the first church in Canyon, and we didn't spring up overnight and will not disappear in the heat of the day. If you go back to the parable of the, of the sower, the parable of the soils, the seed, that which got put into the ground and came up quickly also died quickly. 129 years. That's quite a legacy. We grew over time, and those that began the good work long ago have been outlasted by the fruit of their labor. Anybody here when the church started? When the building went up? Because the church is still here. The church is still here. We are that temple. Like great cathedrals of old, former generations were not afraid to begin what they would not see completed in their lifetime. Guess what? Should the Lord tarry in another 129 years, none of us are going to be here. And by His grace, this will continue. What are we doing? How will we steward what the Lord has given us? Not just this church, your life. What will you take and go out into the world to do? What will you begin? Maybe you won't see it completed. doesn't matter. What will you begin in your lifetime? And that's the crux of what I want you to hear this morning. Don't be afraid to start something that God has put in your heart. And it doesn't matter if you're 18, if you're 28, if you're 58, if you're 98. It doesn't matter. Because you're never too old to begin something. You may be too old to complete something, but you're never too old to begin the work that God has put in your heart to do. Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged. God is with you. He will not fail you, church. He will not forsake you. His spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't be afraid to start something that might take 252 years to complete. So I want us to enter into a time of prayer this morning. As we enter into 2018, I encourage every one of you to get out your Connect card and a pen. And first, I want you to take some time to pray. And I want you to ask God. What I want you to ask Him is this question. What work would the Lord rejoice over you beginning in 2018? What would He rejoice over? If instead of putting it off, instead of procrastinating another year, instead of aiming low at the 10 pounds of the, or aiming high at the 100, what if we said, God, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do what you've been putting on my heart to do that I know, Lord, I can't do. It's the thing that's bigger than me. It's hairy and it's audacious. It's gigantic. But I know you've laid it on my heart. I'm not going to stop. I'm not, I'm not going to put it off any longer. And here's the thing, God. It's up to you. You put it there. It's up to you. I'm not even going to try to finish it. But I am going to start it. I'm going to start it. So first, I want you to take some time to pray about that. And I want you to write down what you hear. So we're going to get quiet here in a minute. Nobody get scared. But then I'd like you to ask God in prayer. The next step from that goal, from, from that first one, and that is what is one small, repeatable step that you can take towards cooperating with God to see that work begin? What is it? So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to get comfortable for just a few minutes. I want you to get however you have to get to hear God. If you want to pace the floor, you can pace the floor. And I want you just to take the next few minutes. What work would the Lord rejoice over you beginning? in 2018. I want you to keep in mind that the construction of that great cathedral that I showed you 
cathedral that took 252 years to complete. It didn't start out with a stained glass window the size of a tennis court. It's scary to ask God, what would you have me do? Just a few more minutes. Now, once you've asked him, Lord, what is it? I want you to take that next step. Don't be content with just whatever it is. Ask him, okay, now what's step one? What is that one small, repeatable step that you can take towards cooperating with God to see that work begin? Now, the next thing I want you to do, if you can remember that, as soon as you get home today, I want you to write those things down because I want you to turn those in today. I want you to turn them in because I want it to be an offering to the Lord. I want it to be your yes to him. If you have to take a picture with your smartphone and what you wrote down, that's great too. But here in a minute when we take up our tithes and offerings and as our Ushers, prepare to come for our tithe and offering this morning. I want you to prepare to put those in and give your yes. Just for a beginning. For whatever it is the Lord's wanting you to start in 2018.